Well, good morning, Coastal. All right, not bad. Happy New Year. Yeah, all right. It's great to be with you. Do me a favor, get your Bible. I'll turn with you to Acts chapter 20, and uh, I am going to uh, kind of cherry pick from this passage this morning, Acts 20, 13 to 38. I tell you, I, I really hope that you will um, read this text at some point today, man. It's just such a beautiful passage of Scripture. Uh, one of my, it's kind of a go-to for me personally, uh, love, love Acts chapter 20 and the way that the Apostle Paul ministers to the leadership of the church that he planted uh, in Ephesus. So while you're kind of getting your Bible out and turning there, I want to remind you, this is your note sheet, okay? New year, new habits, okay? So let's get into the habit of filling out your note sheet, all right? And the reason we produce this and do this, it's really a, a teaching tool, uh, you remember more of the things that you write down. So first of all, it's a teaching tool just as, you know, you remember what you write down. If God lays something on your heart, by writing it, you remember it, okay? And then secondly, uh, in, the new, in February, we're going to launch our winter slash spring small groups, and we do sermon-based small groups. So taking notes prepares you for your small group uh, so that when you sign up and go to your small group, you will be ready uh, for that. And, uh, and if you don't like writing pen and paper, you can actually go to our app, and we actually have our notes on the app, and you can fill things out on the app, and it saves it for you, and then it's ready for you when you go to the small group that will launch in February. Now, uh, just a, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Announcement, an announcement. The 11.15 service is now 11 o'clock, okay? So if you showed up at the third song and you're like, what, ha- what happened? All right, we've moved, we shifted this service. We're trying to make it a little more family-friendly and get more people uh, to the service. So I'm sorry you missed the first two songs, but good news is you also missed the offering, the awkward offering, okay? So anyway, <laughs> it's kind of funny. And so uh, you missed that part, but next week, 11 o'clock, we're moving it there permanently. And uh, so, yeah, so join us then. You know, you can always tell what a, a what person loves or what you love, what I love, what the things that we love uh, gets our time, talent, and treasure, right? Uh, it gets an investment. I, you know, so you always know uh, the neighbor in your neighborhood that loves their yard, right? Their yard is the greenest, uh, you know, and maybe you're that neighbor, right? Maybe your yard looks great. And uh, I was talking to a friend of mine this week, and he was telling me how he needed some septic work done, and, and I know he loves his yard, and I was imagining that was keeping him up at night, the digging up of his yard. And, and uh, he was telling me in great detail how he had the, uh, the contractor put the sod over here and the topsoil over here, and he got them telling me a story, and I I just looked at him and I said, you know what, you're a, you're a yard snob, okay? You just are, and, and that is what it is. And, and uh, maybe you care deeply about your car, right? A couple warm days, uh, your spouse says, hey, why don't you uh, run the car, the vehicle through the car wash? And you're like, car wash? You know, and you're out there with your chamois, is that what it's called? Uh, I don't, it tells you what I know. And then you're, you know, your bucket of soap and your, you know, your, the couple warm days you, you use to uh, wash and wax your car. You know who you are, okay? So that might make you a car snob. And so, you know, that you love, whatever you love gets your time, talent, and treasure. And I want to suggest to you, uh, that same principle applies to the church of Jesus Christ. And I, one of the things I, I love about this passage, so let me give you a little context and then we'll dive in this morning. So the Apostle Paul plants a church in Ephesus, okay? And in this scene, he's wanting to go back. The church is wanting him to come and make a stop at the church, but he is quickly going to Jerusalem, and he feels like he doesn't have time to stop at the church of Ephesus. So what he does do is at a port stop, he sends for the leadership of Ephesus and invites them to come and meet with them. And here in Exodus 20, Exodus, that's our next series. Okay, here in Acts 20, there's a reason I said Exodus, okay? I blended Exodus with Acts, so don't get old if you can help it. So, um, yeah, here in Acts chapter 20, only the old people laugh, like, uh, well, excuse me. If I start saying weird stuff, you probably need to remove me from the whole book. But uh, anyway, um, it's too late. I know, it is too late. <laughs> I know how to back up from here. Anyway, let's jump in. Okay, so here in Acts 20, it's Paul's speech with uh, the elders. It's really a sermonette that he gives to the elders, and it really... Uh, again, the reason I want you to read this whole text at some point today is you're really going to be gripped with the Apostle Paul's love for this local 
church, okay? And so here's what I want to encourage you with, okay? If we love Christ, if you're here this morning, you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're a Christian, if you love Christ, guess what? You love what Christ loves, amen? And what does Christ love? Many things, the righteousness of truth, to be sure, but he loves his church, and we have to grow in our love for church. So the first thing I want you to see is that Paul talks about his serving the church is really serving the Lord, right? And so check this out in Acts chapter 20, verse 18. He says, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first time that I set foot in Asia, verse 19. He says, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me throughout the plots of the Jews, verse 20. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. Verse 21, very important, verse 21. Testifying both to Jews and to Greeks, what did he testify? Of the repentance towards God and the, of the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So letter A, the first thing I want you to see is that Paul saw his serving the church as ultimately serving the Lord. Now let me say that again. Paul saw his serving of the church as ultimately serving the Lord. Because in Paul's mind, the church is not some entity or organization out there, nor should it be in your mind. The church is actually the people, amen? It's the people that minister together for the cause of the gospel. And Paul says, man, I served the church with tears. It was emotional to Paul. And, and, and he understands that by serving the church, I'm ultimately serving the Lord. Because if you're serving in your church and you're serving for man to recognize, there are times that when you serve, people are going to write you a thank you card and give you an attaboy or a round of applause or whatever. But there's going to be times that you serve and it feels like no one notices. You ever done that? Right, man, no one knows, knows what I'm doing around here. I can't believe pastor just walked right by me in the hallway and didn't say anything or whatever. Like, man, I just can't believe it. But Paul recognizes that by serving in his church, he's actually serving the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15 is one of Paul's largest points that he makes in any letter uh, that he writes to a church. It's 57 verses of him spelling out the importance of the, res- theologically, the importance of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, in 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul says, if Christ has not been raised from the dead, you should go do something else besides be a part of a church. The resurrection of Christ is the linchpin of all of Christianity, okay? And then in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul does one little verse of application. He says, because Christ raised from the dead, dear brothers, don't grow weary in serving the Lord, for the Lord sees and the Lord rewards. Amen? And so Paul has this internal mindset that when I serve in my church, I'm serving the Lord. And he says, I do it with tears. And the reason he does that is, listen, when you're serving the Lord by serving people, There's going to be times when you're serving people, man, and the gospel and the people that you're serving makes an impact and a person's life changes for the good and for the better forever and ever and ever. And you get to be a part of that and there will be tears of joy. Man, I remember I've gotten the God, by his grace, gave me the privilege of baptizing all three of my children, man. And as I baptized them, man, I wept. Except for one, I held him under a little longer, just to like wash the sins away, you know, and kind of thing. And, and every family has one of those. So anyway, like, you know, we, but really, like, man, I wept over all of them because I was just so thankful for what the Lord and serving the Lord in our homes, my wife and I, and just watching the Lord honor that and for our kids to become followers of Jesus. It's amazing. And sometimes you're going to serve the Lord and it'll be tears of joy. And sometimes there's going to be tears when you serve the Lord and you're serving people and they reject you and they reject the gospel and it wounds you, right? And you're like, man, I can't believe they said I, like, I served them with a humble heart. I served them with passion. I gave them my time, talent, and treasure. And they've rejected everything. They made false statements about me. Like, Like that will happen and there will be tears, there's a thing happening, a, a, a 
new word I'm hearing more and more. It's the word church hurt. Have you heard that? I have church hurt. I'm hearing more and more of that, church hurt. Listen, I want to speak to church hurt for a minute. Um, if you serve the Lord in a local church, you will always have church hurt. You want to know why? Because the people that you're serving are imperfect. And even Christians are sinners until we get to heaven, our faith becomes sight, and we get our glorified bodies and sins no more. Your church hurt could stem from your senior pastor, okay, because he's imperfect. And so here's what I would encourage you, man. If you if you have church hurt where you've now, you love God, but you say, you know what, I'm stepping away from the church. The church hurt me. I love God, but I just don't love the church. I want to encourage you. You're going to see this throughout this text. You can't say that you love God and not love what God loves, and God loves his church, okay? So if you have church hurt, Maybe go get some counseling, talk to a pastor, work your way through that. But I would suggest to you, if your hurt is so much that you never get back involved, it could be that you have said, you know what? I was actually serving man and not serving God. Amen? Because man will disappoint you and hurt you from time to time, and we need to serve the Lord. Second thing Paul says here, he was serving this church by teaching the gospel. Paul is very clear what the ultimate purpose was in serving the church. And it's found in verse 21. He said that he preached the gospel, which is repentance towards God and faith in Jesus Christ. In verse 21 of Acts chapter 20, not Exodus, but Acts. Okay. And so in Acts chapter 20, verse 21, repentance towards God and faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, the cornerstone of this church is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The word gospel means good news. And the word gospel has two very important words to it. Repentance and belief. Many, many churches in America are preaching a gospel of belief and they're leaving out the gospel of repentance. It's fascinating to me in Mark chapter one and Jesus, when he's talking about the gospel says, it's a gospel, the good news is here. It's a gospel of repentance the word repentance then has an idea of sin and brokenness and rebellion against our holy God. And belief, and belief in something very specific, the person and work of Jesus Christ. So let me unpack this. Many churches in America have left off repentance. And they're just preaching a gospel of love and grace and mercy and forgiveness, and the gospel is all those things. But it begins with, you are a sinner in rebellion to Almighty God. And worse yet, I want to tell you, this is the Sean Brown feeling, the reason there hasn't been a revival in this generation in America has nothing to do with a political party. It has nothing to do with Hollywood. It has nothing to do with the way the culture's going. It has everything to do with we now have churches in America that have taken it upon themselves to take things that the Bible calls sin and the church has decided to call that righteousness. God help us. Because if we're going to leave people in sin, then they're not, the way the Bible says the wage of sin is what church? We don't want to leave people in bondage. We want them to turn to repent and walk towards God in Christ and know the freedom of righteousness. Jesus said, you got to know the truth and the truth will set you free. Man, at Coastal, we're going to preach the word of God. And we're going to talk about repentance and the starting place for you if you're not yet a follower of Jesus and you're, you know, you got up this new year and you said, hey, I'm going to go to church. Listen, the cornerstone of this church is that you are sinned against a holy God and God could have left you there, but he didn't. He's a good God. He's a gracious God. He's a loving God. He's a merciful God. And so what did he do? He sent his son, Jesus Christ, the person and work of Jesus. Now, let me unpack that. And you guys that are regulars here, you should know this. We're saying it week in and week out. We say there's three things. Things that you need to be able to do to communicate the gospel. Number one, Jesus is what? God, okay, that was whispered. Okay, guys, here's the deal. I'm gonna say this every week till y'all can say it out loud, all right? Because we are on mission as missionaries when we leave here. Number one of the gospel, Jesus is what? Jesus is God, all right? Which means he wa he's the God man. He's 100% God. He's 100% deity. He's the son of God. He, wa he lived a perfect life. And by living a perfect life, that makes him the only acceptable sacrifice for sin, whereby our sin can be paid for. Jesus is God. Number two, Jesus, what? Died on the cross for our... All right, let's say it together. Number one, 
Jesus is God. Number two, Jesus died on the cross for my sin, okay? And so this is all throughout the scriptures that Jesus is a substitutionary death where he hung on the cross and the holy God of the universe poured out his wrath for your sin and my sin on Christ instead of on me or instead of on you. For us to bear the weight of our own sin would require in the presence of a holy God an eternal punishment. But because God is merciful and gracious, he poured out his wrath for your sin and my sin on Christ instead of on you and instead of on me. That's why we sing before the throne of God above, the reason no tongue can bid me thence depart is when we're in Christ, the righteousness of Christ, of the sin of Sean has been paid for on Christ, on Jesus poured out on the cross and the righteousness of Christ is gifted to me by grace alone through faith alone. So one day when I stand in the presence of God, he doesn't see Sean Brown, he sees the perfect works of Jesus. Amen? That's the gospel. So Jesus died on the cross for our sins. Number three, Jesus bodily rose from the grave. All right? And that's 1 Corinthians 15. And the reason that's important, by bodily rising from the grave, number one, he authenticated his claims as being the Messiah. He told people, I'm going to die, and I'm going to rise again. I'm going to conquer the consequence of sin. And number two, he overcame the grave. He overcame the penalty of sin by saying, I am now the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the greatest gift we can offer anyone is forgiveness of sins and the hope that one day you will lay this body in the ground and the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead will raise us from the dead. Amen, church? And so Paul says, man, I love God by serving this church and by preaching the gospel. So all the things when we do, when we do toy drives, we do food missions, and we go to Thailand, we do medical missions, and all of these things is to meet people where they are with the hopes of saying, we want you to know your greatest need and the greatest thing you can find, the greatest healing you can find is to be is to be have this, your sin covered by the person and work of Jesus and for you to have both abundant and eternal life by turning from your sin, repent and believe in the gospel of Jesus. Amen? All right, let us see. Paul says, I also taught the whole counsel of God's word. Let us see. I taught the whole counsel of God's word. Acts 20, verse 7, Paul said, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God's word. Listen, if you're new to Coastal, I'm just going to tell you something. We're going to hold this book up on a week-in, week-out basis. We believe this book is true. We believe this book gives life. We believe this book is a love letter from God. We believe this book will transform you because it's the words of God, and the words of God gives life. And we, as Paul says, we will not shrink from declaring the whole counsel of the Word of God. There's going to be times you're going to come in, and we're going to talk about grace, and we're going to talk about love, and we're going to talk about mercy, and we're going to talk about adoption and how God brought you in his family, and you're going to leave here going, man, warm and fuzzy, and it's going to be awesome, and because we preach the whole counsel of the Word of God. There's going to be times you can come in here, and I'm going to preach on something because it's in here, and you're going to go, man, I think, feel like the pastor's meddling. He's talking about my checkbook, my dating life. Right? And there's going to be times you're going to come in here and we're going to preach the whole counsel of God and you're going to go, man, that was in this culture really radical. And the reason we're going to do that is not because we're trying to be in any way really radical. We believe that this book is the word of God. Amen? And we're going to stand on it. We think if you build your life on it, you will know the freedom of walking with the God, your creator as he originally intended. I was counseling with a pastor um, this fall from Indiana, and uh, his church was theologically splitting over the idea of the role of elder and pastor being reserved for men. And his church was splitting over that. And they were having all these, he's like, man, I'm losing my church. And I've been here 10 years and we're splitting over it. And I said to him, I said, uh, so, I mean, how many times have you preached on that in your 10 years there? None, right? I said, well, 
Let me send you one of the sermons I've preached several times. Why? Because we're preaching the whole counsel of the Word of God. We, if you're new to Coastal, we regularly go through books of the Bible. Right now, I'm going through the Pentateuch. We're gonna that'll be we're gonna do a mini series next week, and then we're gonna start back in Exodus. How many of y'all remember last week? We ended off with the nation of Israel being being rescued from the nation of Egypt, and now we're gonna take you through the wilderness journeys all the way to Ten Commandments, and we're gonna talk about how Christ fulfills all of that. Right? That all of that points to Christ and our salvation and. Jesus Christ, because, and, and plus, I feel like as I preach through the Pentateuch, it's going to take me so many years that you can't fire me, right? I got to go all the way till retirement. It's going to take so long, right? It's started in 2017 and probably got another decade at least. So, uh, so that's what we're going to do because we want you to know the whole counsel of God. We open books of the Bible because Paul says, man, one of the gifts I give to the church, one of the ways I serve the church is preaching the whole counsel of God. All right, number two, the Apostle Paul has a high view of God's church. The Apostle Paul has a high view of God's church. Acts 20, verse 28. Paul says this, man, this is a really, really convicting passage of Scripture. Acts 20, 28. So Paul says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained by his own blood. First of all, Paul says, man, pay careful attention to yourself. Why does he say that? Man, when you, when you are a part, when you're a Christian, you're, you're a part of the church. Now, he's talking here to church leadership, okay? He's talking to elders specifically in this passage. So, you know, if there's an elder in this room, like a pastor, God is talking to us. But if you're a, a deacon, you're a leader, you're a small group leader, you're leading our children's ministry, you're leading a ministry, you're leading our student ministries, you're influencing. The Bible says, man, pay careful attention to yourself. The reason Paul is saying that is even as Christians, we still have the ability to sin. And that should terrify us as Christians. We, as Christians, we say, man, I don't want to be on the path to sin. I want to be on the path to holiness and righteousness because I love what Christ loves and Christ loves righteousness and the Holy Spirit now lives inside of me. And we need to be wise enough as human beings to go, you know what, I'm not entirely free from sin until the day I get a glorified body, right? Well, until we see Christ face to face. Until then, man, this wrestle goes on and therefore I want accountability in my life. I am not above being called to the carpet because I want to walk in holiness and righteousness. If you are a high level leader, man, you need to be aware of what's going on in your soul and your own ability to sin. If you're a member of this church, then if you're struggling with sin and temptation, listen, find someone you trust, a pastor, a small group leader, say, you know what? I'm struggling with this sin and temptation. Tell on your sin before it tells on you. Amen. And there's a lot, a lot, a lot of grace if you tell on your sin before it tells on you. But if you, if you don't tell on it, the collateral damage is larger. I really think what Paul is challenging us with, like, I think we all sit here and we go, hey, my private sin, like, it really doesn't hurt anyone else. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Our sin wounds the body. And what God wants to do in his church. And so he loves the church. He says, pay careful attention to yourself. And let her be, he says, pay careful attention to the church. He calls the church God's precious flock. In other passages of scripture, the scripture calls the church the bride of Christ. And if we love God, we love what he loves. That means that God loves you and he loves the person sitting next to you. He loves the person that when the worship team backed off the microphones and they said, hey, let's sing this out loud together. And there was that person two rows back that they were so engrossed in worship, but their voice was so bad. And you were like, oh, my goodness. And it was distracting. Like, God loves that person, too, right? I remember last week, uh, it was great. Every, you know, every once in a while, like I was technically on vacation, but I snuck in here and worshiped with Pastor Tito, and I was sitting back there, and there was a gentleman whose phone went off, 
and he, he couldn't get to it in time, right? And it goes and it gets louder. And you know when that, like, everyone notices and then he starts panicking. And the more you panic, the more you can't get it all. You're like, oh, man, where's the buttons, you know? And, and I could see people, like, scowling at him, like, how dare you come to church and leave your ringer on, you know? And uh, if you're here today, I'm really glad you're here. So uh, anyway, uh, all right, and, and he loves that person too, right? God loves the person that you've changed services because you didn't want to see that person anymore. So you've changed services, right? Some of you are like, how do you know? Oh, I know. Okay, like I know. So he loves that person. And so we, we love what Christ loves. It doesn't mean we love buildings and steeples and pews or whatever you think of churches. It's the people. He loves the people. And if we love God, we love what God loves, and he loves the people all around you. Isn't that cool? Amen. Only one amen, right? He loves those people. And so if we're going to care for the church, the the precious flock of God, then we are going to care for it by using our time, talent, and treasure to care for the church. Your time, talent, and treasure goes to the things that you love. Now, at Coastal, our vision is to develop authentic followers of Jesus Christ. That's, our, that's what we want. We want everyone, as they connect with their creator, to grow in discipleship that we call developing authentic followers of Jesus Christ. And we believe there's three things that we want you to do. And so the people that commit to this discipleship process has said, hey, I want you and the leaders of Coastal to hold me accountable to the discipleship process. We call these people church members, okay? Church members are the people that commit to the process. And so develop authentic followers of Christ, and we do that in three ways. What are the three ways? You guys know them, right? It's what? Connect, grow, and you guys are quiet today. You guys all right? You just want me to shut up? No, okay, let's do it together. Here we go. Three ways, ready? It's what? Connect, grow, and serve. All right, I want you to connect, grow, and serve. Connect means we want you to connect in corporate worship. So our church members have said, you know what? It's a commitment for me. I'm going to go every single week. I know vacation or whatever, and then you can join us online. I had one of our church members on their way out said, I'm going to be joining you online in Barbados. I was like, maybe I could go in Barbados and we could just film me in. Like, and I'll go minister with you and come in. All right, but he's going to join because it's important. Like, he's a member. I'm connecting, right? So, you know, however many weeks of vacation you get, subtract that from 52. That's how many weeks you should be in corporate worship outside of being sick or whatever. But, man, my, our members say, I'm committed to corporate worship where we hear the word of God, we sing together, we encourage one another. Let's connect. Number two, grow grow is to commit yourself to a small group, okay? We do 18, and we do about 16 weeks of small group, eight in the fall, eight in the spring, winter, spring, that we say we want every single person who calls us their home church to commit for 16 weeks of small group. That's coming up in February. You can make that eight-week commitment and be a part because there we unpack the word of God and community. We minister to one another. We make sure you have relationships inside the church. And then number three, we serve. And we talk about two things, areas we want you to serve. We want you to serve in an area of ministry, okay? And so ministry is the things that it takes volunteers for us to do so that we we can do church together, essentially. So here, even on a Sunday morning, I mean, there's worship team, tech team, there's hospitality, there's security, there's children's ministry. Tonight, there'll be student ministry, college ministry, so many places that you can serve the body by ministering. We want our members to commit to a ministry, and we want our members to commit to a mission, okay? And a mission is outside the doors of the church. It's things like food pantry. It's things like ESOL. It's things like, I, I won't name them all, but not only do we want you to serve in a ministry locally, we also want you to serve in a ministry internationally. Listen, if this is your home church, I would love for every single one of you to go on one international missions trip. Everybody with me? If you're able-bodied, maybe not this year, but begin to pray about, God, I want to go on a mission trip because I want you to see God working all across the globe. I want you to see the Lord Jesus working internationally. It will radically shift your life. So here's the deal, ready? The people that commit to that, we call church members. So maybe you're sitting here like, how do I do that? Like, I'm committed to that. I want to be a part of that, all right? Our on-ramp to that is what we call our We Are Coastal class. You may be saying, when's your We Are Coastal class? Well, funny you ask, okay? So let's see if we can get the slide up here. Then that would have been great if we'd have been at the same time. Like, just got up there. All right, We Are Coastal class. So you, 
You sleep back there. There we go. All right. We are coastal class. Uh, man, we have our We Are Coastal class on February the 4th, which is a Saturday from it's a Saturday from 5 to 8.30. And, uh, man, if you haven't attended our We Are Coastal class, we'd love for you to go. This is our on-ramp to being involved. It's the on-ramp to uh, being a part of our discipleship process. Okay, so when we care for the church, what do we do? We use our time, talent, and treasure to serve in the church. All right, and so why do we do this? Why do we love and give careful attention to the church? Let her see. And this is what Paul said in verse 28. Because the church was bought with the blood of Christ. Let me say that again, because maybe that didn't land with you. The church was bought with the blood of Christ. There is no other institution on the planet that was bought with the blood of Christ. The the blood of Jesus Christ paid for the sins of the people that are committed to God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And those people gather and partner together to form local churches. And by partnering together, they're able to extend the gospel to the world. And so the blood of Jesus Christ paid for it. The people that came to the 8 o'clock service and the 9.30 service and now the 11 o'clock service, and he play, paid, the blood of Jesus Christ paid for those who were gathering in Hampton this morning and for those who are gathering in Gloucester at three services and, and, and Chesapeake and all gospel-preaching churches here on the peninsula and all gospel-preaching churches here in the nation and all gospel-preaching churches all around the world. The blood of Jesus Christ paid for and bought these local churches to serve together and therefore, people matter to God, they must matter to us. Amen? And so when a person walks in the doors of this church, we start with them where they are. I don't, well, we're going to, we're going to open this book and we're going to preach it unashamedly. But if a person comes in or not, you had to follow Jesus. I praise God they're here. I don't care what their life looks like. We want them to know Jesus. We want them to be introduced to Christ. If they receive Jesus, Jesus then, by the power of the Holy Spirit, is in the business of changing them from the inside out. Amen? Not, I don't care what they look like, smell like, do, whatever. That's up that's between them and the Lord until they become a follower of Jesus, and then Jesus changes them from the inside out. Our God loves people. We got to love people. Amen, church? Number three. The third thing Paul challenges us with this morning. He says, three, we we come to church. We're part of a church to give and not get. Let me say that again. We're part of a church to give and not get. Did you ever leave a church and service and be like, man, that, that didn't really minister to me. How? I don't know what that worship team was doing. They were off today. I didn't. I didn't experience anything. I mean, not what Spencer leads, but other worship leaders, right? You know. So, man, he went long. I couldn't check my kids in the children's room. The line was out the door. All these stupid people coming to church. Gee, takes forever. I can't find a parking place. I've done all. I've done all them things. Okay, so I'm not just picking on you. I've done it too. When, when, when I do that, what am I doing? I'm coming to what? Get and not what? And I give. Listen, a follower of Jesus loves the church. Says I, I come to give and not get. And Paul says that in Acts chapter twenty, verse thirty-two. Paul says, "And now I commend you to God, to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified." I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparels. You, you yourselves know that, the hand, that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, what did he say? It is what, church? More? Yeah, all right. You guys are quiet, man. All right, here we go. How the Lord Jesus himself said what? Let's say it together. It is what? More blessed to give than to receive, right? So a couple quick points here. First of all, Paul comes at this. He's eternally minded. He says, I served in your presence thinking about my inheritance. I served among the sanctified. That's the Christians. I served among the Christians thinking about my inheritance. Have you ever heard somebody say, they're so heavenly minded, they're what? They're no earthly good. I think that's a terrible saying. 
I think the problem in our world is we are not heavenly minded enough. I just got done reading a biography about Mother Teresa, and I was like, man, now there was a woman that was heavenly minded, right? Man, I, I'm giving it away so that I'm storing up an inheritance. When we serve the Lord and we come to give and to not get, we are eternally minded. Yes, the Lord, it's, it's 1 Corinthians 15, 58. The Lord sees and the Lord rewards. He's going to take care of me. We come to give and let her be. We come to give and to not get. Paul says, I worked hard. He's talking about working hard in the church, but he's also talking about working hard in the workplace. He said, man, I worked hard. I built my career. I didn't, I used my hands, so I didn't need anything from the church. I came just to serve, right? And, and, and here's the deal, right? We, 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 you guys are on mission this week. All of you that have jobs, you're a missionary at your workplace, and you work hard, and then you, you, you live within the means that God has given you to live within, right? And by the way, if you're, if, you're, if you're drowning in debt, and you don't have anything left over to give, I've got really good news for you. We have a great spiritual formation class being offered this week about how to budget and live inside of your means so that you work hard, you live in your means, and you have a little left over to share. That is how a Christian lives. And I pray that you grow your career. I pray that you grow your influence and your ability for your career to grow so that you, you, you have more for your family and you have more to give, right? It's not an either or, it's a both then. And you answer to the Lord for those things and you give to your local church. Giving in a local church is about us pulling our resources together to do more for the gospel together than apart, right? Listen, we're build, you, you guys are helping us to build, helping to build a building in Gloucester. That Gloucester campus on its own would probably never build that building. But together by pulling our resources, did you know, by the way, at Christmas Eve, our Gloucester campus had over 350 people in a little tiny storefront. I'm telling you, man, when they get in their new building, man, they're, they're going to they're gonna explode, okay? They will hands down be the biggest church in Gloucester, and they're doing that because we're all doing it together, saying, man, I'm a part of this. Which leads to my final point this morning, and it's Paul's final point. Healthy churches sin. And we'll finish up here. Healthy churches sin. Acts chapter 20, Paul said this. He said, when he had said these things, he knelt down and he prayed with them. So I just want you to get this picture. There's, Paul stops at a port. He invites the elders of this church that he planted. They love him. They wanted him to come to their church, but he couldn't. And so he invites them. He preaches to them all the things he poured into the church, how much he loved them. It says, now, when he said these things, he knelt down and he prayed with them, with them all. And there was much weeping on a part of all. And they embraced Paul and they kissed him and being sorrowful for uh, most of all because the word he had spoken that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. So in other words, Paul says, you're not going to see me again. I'm going to Jerusalem. And they, they, they weep with him and they cry with him as they're sending Paul on a new missions journey. Okay. And so letter A, the reason it's emotional because it's relational. Listen, healthy churches send, but most churches don't send. Number one, because it's hard. And number two, it's emotional. And it's emotional because it's relational because we send people that we love, right? And, and this is change and change is really, really difficult in the life of a church. But healthy churches must be sending churches. This goes all the way back to the Great Commission, where Jesus in the Great Commission said, you have to go, not sit and not stay, go. And so healthy churches are sending churches that send people for the cause of the gospel. So let me give you a couple of practical applications about how we're doing this at Coastal, all right? And then we'll wrap this up and pray. Number one, we send at Coastal through missions, all right? When you give money at Coastal, 10 cents of every dollar goes out the door to missions. And we make sure that the body, the church people are going where the money's going. We're serious about missions locally. We're serious about missions internationally. I'm serious about if this is your home church, I want every one of you, you're able-bodied, to go on one international missions trip. I'm just telling you, you'll go mind blown, all right? You have to do it once. So this, this year, at least start praying about that idea. We send missionally. Number two, we're campusing at Coastal, okay? Coastal Yorktown has sent in the last five years 
over 400 people to four or five other campuses. We've sent over 400 people. Now, here's what I want you to do. That's probably, so turn around and look. Everybody turn around and look. It's probably about 75% of this room we've sent out. Everybody with me on that? We sent to other campuses. Now, you would think that by sending that many people out, our attendance at Yorktown would dip down. You know what's happening at Yorktown? It just keeps growing and growing. It's head-scratching to me. Why is that? Because that's the economy of God. You can't outsend and you can't outgive God. Amen? The day we start cloistering and saying, man, I can't send anymore, I really believe is the day that the Lord stops blessing us. Amen? And so we need to be sending, and we're a sending church. Here's my hope. You ready? Gloucester is going to get into their new building. They're going to continue to grow. They're going to outgrow the space. And our, let's call it our, the planting of our child, Lord willing, will now plant grandchildren because it costs too much to keep building buildings. I'm going to, I've been praying, God, let them find a place in Matthews that they can adopt and send 100 people out of Gloucester. How cool would that be? Amen. And now we've planted grandchildren for us old people. You're like, that's way better than children anyway. So like, there you go. It's awesome, right? Next week, I'm going to be presenting to you a church that we're going to be voting. We've got another church we're about to adopt in Smithfield. Anybody? I'm, we are talking to, so I don't know how many will end up adopting and Lord, as he resources it, but I'm, we're going to be presenting that. We're not done with what God has for us. This fall, we've been planning on this for over a year now. This fall, we're planning to launch a campus in Williamsburg. Amen? We were going over the list of people we've been training and that we know we're going to send up to Williamsburg. And I'm going to use a basketball term here. We were looking at this list of people, and I was like, these are some ballers. Okay, that's a basketball term. Like, whoa. Like, we are sending some amazing people to Williamsburg. Guess what that means? As this room keeps filling back up, you, your job is not to sit here and go, I guess somebody else is going to do the ministry around here. I need some ballers to step up and help us at Yorktown. Amen? We need to continue. We're sending church, all right? And those people that are going to go to Williamsburg, some of them are going to be your friends, and you're not going to see them as much. And this Acts 20 passage is going to be really real to you. There's going to be some tears. Man, I'm going to miss seeing you. But we are on mission because we have 70 or 80 years. And then one day we're going to stand before God. And we want to be eternally minded. We want to send. Amen, church? All right, final way that we can multiply is small groups. Multiplying in small groups. Last fall, Coastal across our four campuses had 100 small groups. Isn't that amazing? It's about 20 or 30 too few for the amount of people we have. We probably need 120 to 130. So how do we multiply small groups? Some of you that are small group leaders need to raise up the next generation of small group and you need to send them. Everybody with me on that? And it's hard. And the reason we don't do it is like, well, I really like them. Right? And I don't, I don't want to send them. So here's what I've done. I've probably birthed four or five strongers. The way I do it is I send the people I don't like. Okay? Like, hey, I need you and you. God's going to be with you. Like, just send them. So, no, honestly, honestly, you want to know how I do it? Here's what I do. I pray. I raise up a small group leader. I invest in the small group and I say, hey, next season. So like this spring, I would raise up a small group. And I say, next season, in the fall, we're going to send this small group leader. And, and I look at my small group and I go, I just want you to pray about should you go or not. That's all I do. I don't point anybody. I don't separate anybody. I just say pray about should you go or not. And what inevitably happens is half the group ends up going and it's usually the people I like. You know, I'm like, oh, they, I thought, and I take it personal then. Like, oh, I thought they liked me. Just kidding. Okay, so guys are a tough group. But we need to be ascending church and it's hard because it's the people we liked. Amen. So small group leaders, I know there's a lot of you in this room. You need to be praying about that. Are we ascending small group? Because the more we send, the more God blesses, we can't outgive God. All right, let's wrap this up. Uh, invite the worship team out. You know, there's something about uh, familiarity that is, is both a, a blessing and a curse. 
right? I've been, I've been married to my wife for 28 years, and it gets better. Uh, I can honest to goodness say I, I love her way more now after 28 years than, than I, I did when, year one. And those of you who have been married a long time probably can say, I hope you can say the same thing. You know, but like we don't talk as much. And it's not that we don't like each other. It's like I already know what she's going to say. Right. And so I ain't got to ask her and she ain't got to ask me. She already knows what I'm going to say. And we've gotten to the place like we already know, like I ain't changing her. She ain't changing me. Either God changes them or the change ain't happening. Amen. And so there's something about the familiar is a blessing and a curse. Right. And sometimes when you're with someone for a really long time, it can't. The danger is it can lead to complacency in that relationship. And the same thing can happen in church life, right? And so uh, this is a story I stole from Dennis and Barbara Rainey. It's called The Five Stages of Your Married Cold, okay? And so it's your, and here and you'll get it as we go along. So the first year of marriage, when, when you have newlyweds and your, your spouse gets sick, the conversation goes something like this. Baby, I'm, I'm so worried about that sniffle. So here's what I've done. I've called the paramedics, and they're, they're going to take you to Norfolk General, and you, I want you to take the whole week in Norfolk General, and I know you hate hospital food, so I'm going to cook a gourmet meal every single night and bring it to you. That's what happens when your spouse gets sick the first year of marriage. All right, the second year of marriage. Sweetheart, I really don't like the sound of that cough. So I've called the doctor. They're, he's going to come make, he or she's going to come make a house visit. Our doctor's going to make a house visit. And I just want you to go to bed early and I'm going to come tuck you in. That's the second year of marriage when your spouse gets sick. The third year of marriage when your spouse gets sick. You know, it looks like you have a fever. Um, so why don't you drive yourself to MedExpress uh, and, and get some medicine? And while you're doing that, I'll take care of the kids. That's the third year of marriage. The fourth year of marriage, when your spouse gets sick, it goes like this. You know, you don't look so great. Why don't you be sensible? After you fed and bathed the kids and washed the dishes, why don't you go to bed early? That's the fourth year of marriage. Anybody not laughing is a newlywed. And so, um, and then the fifth year of marriage goes like this. For Pete's sake, do you have to cough so loud? I can't even hear the TV. Would you mind going into the other room while my show is on? You're sitting there barking like a dog. All right. So, so if you've been with someone for any length of time, it's really easy to see that, that familiarity can blind you to a person's beauty. One of the things that um, happens to me on the regular is I'll meet people in the community and they piece together, however, that I'm the pastor of this church. And they'll be like, oh, you're the pastor of Coastal Like I'm hearing... I'm hearing amazing things about Coastal. I hear that all the time. I'm hearing amazing things about Coastal. And here's what I say every single time. I say, we have the most amazing people. I, I'm genuinely wowed by each and every one of you. I mean, wowed. I'm wowed by the members who, and they go over and above giving time, talent, and treasure as we link arms together for the, for the cause of the gospel. And so here's my concluding thought. Being wowed is a choice. I just gave some of y'all some really good marriage advice, actually. Some of you, you stop being wowed by your spouse, and that's a choice. You need to look at your spouse this afternoon and go, man, this is what I love about you. You do this, this, and this. That's a, it's amazing. It amazes me. I'm wild. But here's my concluding thought. I want us to be wowed, number one, by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Last week when I got to just sit here and attend with you guys and Pastor Tito was preaching, he preached the gospel, you know, whatever the simplicity of the gospel. We talked about God sending Christ, Christ dying for our sins, bodily rising from the grave. And I just remember saying, like, I still can't believe God did that for me. It wows me. If, if when we preach the gospel at Coastal, it doesn't wow you, you need a heart check, oh Christian. The gospel should continually wow you. And number two, I am wowed that the method that God is using to spread the gospel message is not write it in the sky tomorrow when all your neighbors get up. The method he uses is a group of broken, redeemed sinners 
who pool their time, talent, and treasure together in a thing called the local church because they love the local church for the exaltation of the gospel of Jesus. That wows me. Amen? And so I'm going to finish. We're going to finish with prayer, but I'm going to finish doing something weird. So if your guest was this morning, no, this is weird. It's going to feel weird, okay? Uh, Here's how we're going to finish this morning. I want you to turn to the people next to you and the people behind you, and I just want you to look at them and go, like, I'm wowed. Go, do it. Look at them. Wow. I told you it was weird. Wow. Amazing. You're amazing. Wow. It's weird, isn't it? I told you it was weird. I told you. It's weird. Oh, man, we should be wild. So here's what we're going to do. All right, I want to invite... I want to invite the prayer team up. Prayer team, come on up now. I'm going to close with prayer. We're going to go out singing. If you ever come to Coastal and you need prayer before you leave, man, our prayer team is always here to minister to you. If you don't know about how to have a relationship with God in Christ, they would love to talk to you about how to follow Jesus. Never leave without prayer. I'm genuinely wowed by Christ and God and the gospel, and I'm genuinely wowed by you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for serving this local church. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, it is a, it's a great, great privilege to serve you in this thing called the local church. I mean, just wow, God. I mean, the things we're seeing you do through the ministry of this local church, like, wow. We're so thankful. Thankful for saving us, God. Thankful for giving us a mission, leaving us here on the planet with a purpose, God. A purpose that suffering doesn't take away and difficulties and challenges and like a purpose to spread the name and fame of Christ. God, I'm thankful for these people. This is the most amazing church of people. They're serious-minded about you and about linking arms together and about exalting the gospel of Jesus Christ. And God, I'm just wowed by this church. And I think that wow is just the overflow, that they are wowed by how much they're loved in Christ. They do indeed love you. I love them. I love this church, God. I pray for the gospel to continue to be exalted through this local ministry. And God, really all Bible-believing churches, I just want to see Christ exalted. We're wowed that you would use the likes of us to make Jesus famous. And so help us do that with humility, with passion. We know it's hard sometimes, God, with forgiveness when we need to give forgiveness so that we can continue to serve you together. And so now we leave here today celebrating what an awesome God you are, that you would send us your son, Jesus. And it's in Christ's most precious name I pray. Amen. Let's go out singing this morning and stand and sing together.